whatever and a day The radio and the telephone and the movies that we know may just be well, welcome to week four of our series called No Matter What. We're glad that you're here. This is the conclusion of our series, and today we're going to talk about this incredibly uh, amazing picture of what No Matter What truly is. I can't wait to share with you over the next few minutes. So thanks for being here. Um, if you're a guest visiting with us, we're glad that you're here today. And if you're watching online, thank you for being a part of our online community. I want to, I want to ask you a question and uh, I think maybe, maybe more guys in the room can relate to this than ladies, but may, we'll, we'll see. Um, did you ever play the game growing up uh, that was related to, like, how tough are you and how much can you endure and, and withstand? Have you ever played that game before? I, I don't know what that looked like for you, but when I was growing up, we had a game, uh, and I was in, like, elementary school when this started, and it bled over into, like, junior high and high school, which is weird. Uh, but um, I, we played this game where uh, you would roll up your sleeve... And uh, then you would say, all right, let's take turns slapping one another. It's a great game. It's really well thought out. And so what you would do is you would take, your, take two fingers and you would lick them, and then you would smack each other across the wrist. Anyone ever do that game before? So if I'm not, Oh, good, I'm not by myself. That's really good. All right, so like the, the 30 or 40 of you really know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Uh, we did this game, and uh, we actually really, I mean, left some serious whelps on one another as we were doing this. So... Uh, I don't know what we were ultimately trying to prove, except that we were tough, and that we were manly, and that I wasn't going to give in until you gave in, and so we would do this over and over again, and so my arm would be covered with whelps, and I would try to hurt the other person as bad as I could, just really, really, you know, Jesus-like for sure, and so we would just back and forth. Uh, this game of, 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 of do you have what it takes to endure? I think that idea, even though it seems very childish, that idea is an idea that runs through relationships as well. Actually, the entire series so far has been, what do you do when you're ready to give up? When, when your ability to endure has run its course and you're considering checking out or giving in or changing in some way, right? The whole series has been, how do you endure what you're facing right now. And some of you, quite honestly, have been through the process in your own personal lives of figuring out just how tough am I? How much can I endure? And, and what hopefully you're realizing is that, that there is this incredible power that exists in the life of the Christian that allows us to endure even when the common knowledge would be just to kind of check it in and give up. Right? So our entire series so far has been about that. In your marriage relationships, with your children or with your parents, and also in our priority friendship relationships. Now... We're, we're going we're gonna to make a pivot today as we conclude this series. I want you to think about this for a moment in terms of my relationship with God. I want you to think about a couple of questions, and you can just write these down if you want to write them down, but think about this for a moment. First of all, how far is too far? And secondly, I want you to think about how much is too much. In other words, in my relationship with God, can I run so far that God would not be willing to endure and rescue? And could I, could I mess up so bad, could I break 
whatever kind of rules could I, could I mess it up so bad that God himself would just say, done. We were singing this song, Death Was Arrested. I was weeping my eyes out. Because I was thinking of this very idea of how far is too far and what does my life and my brokenness and my sinfulness lead to, ultimately. Now, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, he addresses this very issue for us. And and I I just want to set the stage as we look into Scripture together. One of the things that you see in Ephesians chapter 2 is you see Paul painting a picture of humanity. And he's going to use a phrase that you once were. And this phrase of once were describes what someone was before they encountered a a relationship with God through Christ. Uh, But in, in saying the words you once were, speaking of what our lives used to look like, Paul is describing humanity as a whole. Now, that's important for us to get together. Paul is going to describe for us a picture of humanity. And it's true across the board. So... This message is not going to apply to one or two of us. It applies to everyone in the room. Very seldom do, am I able to preach a message that every single person in the room can actually draw something from because this is a picture of us. And I want you to think about this as we unpack Ephesians chapter 2. Think about the question, how far is too far and how much is too much? And if you'll do me a favor, I'm not going to ask you in your life to just feel all the weight of guilt and shame and regret all over again. I do want you to think about your own life in light of what Paul says about humanity. Would you do that for me? So, just just think about your journey for a moment as we look into Scripture. So, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2. As you're turning there, check in at at Facebook on Solace Church. Look with me, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. How far is too far and how much is too much? Here's what Paul says about humanity, about Christians... But generally speaking about humanity, this is what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, okay, stop for a moment. Let's, let's set the stage. Um, we had about 90 or 100 people here for Solace Church University just a couple of weeks ago. It was great. Dr. Jerome Van Kuyken. That is a name of a doctor if I've ever heard the name of a doctor. Dr. Jerome Van Kuyken was with us. And we talked about the idea of what it means to need salvation. We talked about this idea of, of, of and this is, a, this is a theological word, of total depravity. The, the idea, as we learned at Solace Church University, was that, that man left to himself is completely affected by sin. The idea of total depravity is that every single part of my being is affected by this thing I have called a sin nature, which I inherited all the way back from the very beginning from Adam. I have a part of me, it's a sin nature, it wasn't supposed to be a part of me, but it is a part of me because we live in a fallen world. And my sin nature affects all of my life. It affects my thinking, it affects my emotions. It affects my spiritual life. It affects the things that I do, things that I say. It affects me all the way through. Now, the great news about this, if there is any great news about total depravity, is that God, as a sovereign God, does have a, little, does have a restraining piece to this. In other words, man is not as fully wicked as he possibly could be, even though the world seems to be pretty chaotic. But that man is totally affected by sin. One of the things you seldom have to convince people of is that they have sinned in life. 
generally speaking, if you would say, have you ever messed up? Have you ever sinned? Have you ever feel like you've broken some, raw, some law, rule or law? Generally speaking, people are like, okay, yeah, I've done that. All right? I, I seldom have to convince people that they have sinned. Sin is a universal truth within this fallen world that we live in. And so man has been totally affected by sin. All right, so we are dead in sin and transgressions. All right, so we, we set the stage. Very positive message in the series. On we've set the stage. Every single person on the planet is affected by sins. We're actually dead. In other words, we are in our spiritual lives. We are unresponsive to God. We're going to see this unfold in just a moment. All right, so Paul starts by saying, "This is a picture of humanity." And there are only two different, two different groups of people in Paul's eyes in the world. There are those who are currently like this and those who used to be like this. Now, little teaser before the service is over. You want to be in the camp of used to. All right, so just, just, just want to set the stage for you. All right, so what does, what does this look like practically? Paul goes on to say in verse number two, he goes on to say this. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live... When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul says, before this thing called salvation occurred in your life, there was a certain pattern to your life. Now, now what is it? You used to live. Now, this doesn't mean like breathing air. This means this is the customary way in which you conducted your life. This, is, this was a picture of you previously or, for some of us, you currently. What does it look like? When you live, you follow the ways of this world. Now, there are lots of different translations for this very phrase. Uh, most translations actually use the word course here to describe this. That you followed a course... And you were, you were ruled by or led by the kingdom of the air, which is this, this, this idea of, of, of Satan's influence in the world and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so I want you to think for a moment, all right? So think about your own life. Think about what Paul just says. That, that before we have this salvation experience, that we follow the course of the world. Uh, when I was growing up and it was a, it was a <laughs> technology was just barely kind of taking off, there was this game on the computer system. Uh, it was called Lemmings. Did anyone ever play that game? All right, two of you. All right, so thank you, one of my tech guys in the back. Great. So me and you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you never played the game Lemmings before, basically uh, this game was a, a game where these things would fall from the sky just one at a time, and then they would line up, and they would all go the exact same way. And the goal was to build ladders and bridges and, and, and different things so they could eventually reach safely their destination and not die. Great game. Yeah, it's really, really high tech. It's like, it was just like, you know, old technology. Here they come from the sky, they fall, 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 and every Every single one of them in line would do the exact same thing. Lined up, 20-something of them. Right? Yeah. And wherever you'd put a ladder, they would all go exactly the same way. If there wasn't a ladder, they would all fall the exact same way and continue on the path. Right? 
They're just setting, you set a course for them, and they just go down that course the entire time, right? This is the imagery, the picture of what Paul says the life of someone looks like apart from salvation. We are limbings. We, we follow the course set out for us in the world. All right, teenagers, real quick, 20-somethings, you need to hear this as well. Adults, I hope that you figured this out by now, but teenagers, please listen to me. If someone says to you, hey, come with us, everyone is doing it, that is the lamest reason in the world to go. Like, that's the worst. You know, send red flags off. Okay, you said everyone's doing it. Limming. Limming. They're, they're following the course of the world. And church, there is no other course. There is a course set out, which is the pattern of life in sin. And that is, that is by nature what everyone is doing on the planet outside of salvation. It's just what Paul says is true about us. And so let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Think about your own life for a moment. Did you ever follow, did you ever follow the crowd? Do you ever just kind of get in line with a step and the pace of how everyone else does things in your workplace? Step in line with the way the world says things ought to work themselves out, right? At school? In our communities, in our homes, just following the pattern of the world. Right? Now, <clears throat> this is us apart from salvation. Now, now we're going to see practically what that looks like in our life. And so this is all of us, right? So everyone's included in this. All of us, verse number three, Paul says this. All of us, excluding none of us, all of us also lived, not just breathing air, but operated in the pattern among them at one time. This is exactly what, what Scripture says is us. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its evil desires and thoughts. All right, let's park here for a moment. This is really, really important. Every single person at one point in our life, either now or before salvation, or, or after salvation, excuse me, either now All of us, at some point, was this. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. What does that look like? It means that whenever there was an impulse on the inside of us to do something, we just did it. Right? Because it was there and it was like normal and it was like what I just felt and so I did it. Let me ask you a question. Those of you for sure who, who would say, you know what, I remember my life previous to salvation. You, you would probably agree with this statement. That, that you just did things because that's just what you thought was normal. That's just what I thought everyone was doing. That's just what I thought relationships looked like. That's just what I thought was the normal thing that people did, right? Some of us in the room today, quite honestly, if we were just being honest, this is how you, you're, you're conducting your life even right now. That you're just going about life because you just kind of thought that's the way it's supposed to work itself out. And I just would encourage you to consider that this is actually counterproductive. This is exactly what we look like apart from salvation. We gratify the cravings of our sinful nature and we follow its desires and thoughts. That is, when you think about something, you meditate on it, it becomes a part of who you are, it becomes a part of what you do, and it gives birth in our actions. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a place in your life? where, where you, there's a thought, an idea born in your mind, and maybe, maybe you thought, I don't know if I should do this or not, but it starts taking root, and it carries itself out in, its, in your mind, and eventually it plays itself out in your life as well. This is the picture of someone apart from Christ. And notice what, notice what Paul says. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That is, because this is the way we were conducting our lives, 
Because we were living contrary to God, because we were living in this pattern of sinful behaviors, doing whatever felt right, doing whatever pleased us, doing whatever we came up with in our minds, because of this, we were by nature objects of wrath. In other words, we deserve the full weight of punishment for our disobedience. I want you to just just think for a moment. When we live in this pattern, we we are sinning against a holy God. A God who created us to be in relationship with him. A God who deeply loves us. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Just, just, just play this out with me. How does it make you feel when someone that you love hurts you or offends you? What goes on inside of your heart, in your mind, in your life? What happens internally when someone that you really love hurts you by their actions? All right, all right sir, so I'm going to give you an option. Do you want to run to them and bless them and encourage them and speak life into them? Is there anything within you that would say, I can't wait to be with you because of how bad you've treated me? Has that ever happened? I want to just stop for a moment and ask you a question. Think about this question for a moment. If this is you and it is, then what would you do with you? You think about your life for a moment. Think about your life and the patterns of behavior that you lived in. If this were, if, if you, if the roles were reversed and you were God and you had this individual that you love so much and, and they were just absolutely being disobedient and rebellious against, what would you do with you? What would I do with me if I were in God's shoes? That's a good question. Jesus, he's sitting around with tax collectors and sinners in Luke chapter 15. You don't have to turn there, but just consider this for a moment. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus is sitting around with sinners. There's another group of people who are called religious leaders, and they are wondering what Jesus is going to say and do in this group of tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus looks at all the crowds. There are lots of people around him, and he begins to tell a couple of stories. Here's what he says. He said, there's this, there's this woman, and she had ten coins, and she lost one in her house. And even though she had nine other coins, she really, really wanted all ten coins. And so she cleaned the whole house. She swept the house thoroughly until she found the one coin, and she rejoiced when she found the lost coin. And then he said, oh, and, and, and there was the shepherd. And the shepherd had 99 sheep, and he loved the sheep very much. And there was one sheep. He had 100, but he had 99 in the pen. And one wandered off and went his own way. 
And even though there was, a, there was 99 sheep with him that he cared for very much, there was still one apart that he desperately wanted to reach and to save. And so he left the 99 and he went looking for the one lost sheep. He could not stand the thought of a sheep being outside of his care and his safety. And protection. And so he searched and he found the lost sheep and he rejoiced at the finding of this one lost sheep. And then he said, Oh, and there's his father. And he had this son. And the son went his own way and he wandered off and he spent everything. He blew it. He wasted it. And the father was heartbroken because his son that he loved was apart from him and away from him. And he, and he, and he longed to be reconciled, longed to be right. And so he stood daily waiting for his son. It is Jesus who's telling the story of the Father. Who is Jesus? He's the one that the Father sent. He's telling the story of what God would do with you and with me. They don't all get it. They didn't get it yet. But not, long, not too long from this moment, this Jesus who told the story about a, a father who longed to be right with his son would go up on a cross and he would stretch out his arms. And he would demonstrate that while we were still sinners, that God loved us and he didn't want to give up on us and that he wanted to make a way. Could God have run away? Yes. Could God have left us to ourselves? Yes. But in Christ, he demonstrates But even though I follow the pattern of this world, and even though I live in the cravings of my sinful nature, and even though I rebel, and even though I run, and even though I blow it all, and even though I waste it all, that Jesus on the cross says, I, I still love you, and I still want to be with you, and I still want to be right with you, and I want to rescue you, and I want to redeem you. You are my lost sheep, and I want to come find you, and you are the lost coin, and I want to come clean the whole house until I find you, and you are the son that's a long way away, and I'm waiting here so that I can be right with you. does that and so Paul he writes this crazy crazy verse in verse number four like he just describes us we're messed up and then in verse four but because of his great agape no matter what kind of love because of his love for us God who is rich in mercy Made us alive in Christ. What? 
even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. For it is by grace that you have been saved. <laughs> we didn't earn it. We were just lemmings walking along <laughs> in the pathway. I'm just going where you're going. I'm just going where you're going. It's disobedience. It's rebellion. It's sinful. It's exactly opposite from what God wants from me. But I'm walking that path, and God reaches into that, and he pulls us out of that pattern, and he makes us alive in Christ. And then, and then he seats us with Christ in the heavenly realms. What? What? You gave me the best seat in the house after I treated you that way? You made me co-heir with Christ. You made me a citizen of heaven. You're going to give me an eternity with you forever that is perfect and free from sin and free from brokenness, and I'll get to be in that forever? Yep. Really? Really? Verse 7, <laughs> in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you know what Paul just said? That Paul began this work, that Jesus began this work some 2,000 years ago, but he did it so that in the 21st century at Solace Church on February 20, whatever we are today, that you would be sitting in a room like this hearing a message that God has been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. And he just wanted you to know, just in case you weren't sure, that he wanted you to know that he is willing to do it again for you. He just didn't want you to be confused about how he feels about you. He didn't want you to wrestle with or struggle with how much he loves you. He demonstrated it fully in Christ, but then he redeems people over and over again from their patterns of sin, and he sets them free, and he forgives them so that others might know as well he's willing to do it for them as well. You're not too lost. You're not too broken. You're not too bad. You're not too rebellious for God to rescue you and to save you. That's the message that Paul wanted to give to you today. <laughs> and this is what he goes on to say. For it's by God's grace that you've been saved. And it happens when you operate in faith. When you say, God, I, I just need it. I need to be saved. I need, to, I, need to I need a different pattern. I need a different life. I need to live differently. I need to be saved from this. And this isn't from yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, you're a lemming just following on the line of lemming. But when God comes and through Christ takes you out of that, it is an, off it is an offer of grace. And it's received by your faith. And it's nothing that we did to earn it. <laughs> and then he concludes in verse 10 by saying this. <laughs> For we are God's workmanship. <laughs> Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. which God had in mind the entire time. <laughs> that even though I rebelled and even though I ran and even though I was sinful and even though I lived in a pattern that was unholy and dishonoring, even though I was in that pattern, everything I thought about doing I did and everything I felt I did, even though I lived in that pattern, God saw me in those moments and he saw the good works he prepared before I even knew him. 
that he had good things planned for me the entire time. Do you know why I'm standing on the stage today? Not because I'm good. It's because God had in mind an incredible plan. And I was just following along. He was like, I got so much for you. So I'm a wreck today. I really wish we wouldn't have sang that song before I came up here. We should have saved it to the end. <laughs> there are some of us in the room today <laughs> still living in that pattern. <laughs> and God, through Jesus on the cross, just offers a different life. He loves you. So if you're here today, You've been living in that pattern. I want to offer the invitation. You didn't know this, but God brought you here today because He longed to rescue you. You just thought you were coming because your wife told you you had to. Your mom said you have to get up and come. You thought that's why you came today, but it's not true. God was working so much to bring you to a place that he could tell you that I want you to be forgiven. So, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.